Hello, friends. It's time for Let's Talk About Jesus. I am Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. I'm Pastor of the Holy Church of God right here in Tampa, Florida, going on our 42nd year. This January will mark 42nd years as Senior Pastor, and I am right now because of this media outreach, doing the work of an evangelist. So I wear both hats today. And as we do this work to reach people that don't know Christ as their Savior, and then to encourage and instruct those who do know Christ as their Savior, uh, I pray that you will be abundantly blessed today. And if you're in that uh, that that part of people who have not come to know Christ as your Savior, would you be our special guest today? Uh, we want you to understand more about this great and good God that has loved you enough and me enough to give His only begotten Son and the Christ who has loved us enough to stay on the cross until the sin debt was paid in full for those who would receive him as their Savior and repent of their sin. Praise God. Well, I'm glad to be a Christian today. I want everyone to know Christ. I want uh, heaven to be your home. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, we have a great subject today. If you'd like to come to our website, has a statement of faith, has a, 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 many of the editions of Let's Talk About Jesus sermons that span all of these years, 1,300 and counting. Uh, there's just all kinds of material there to inspire you, instruct you, and edify you. Uh, there is absolutely no charge. There is no letter going to come in the mail soliciting. There are no strings attached, and we would be so happy if you would just come and visit us. If you would like to on our website, just type in THCOG, THCOG, and it will take you to the Holy Church of God right here in Tampa, Florida, where this broadcast originates, an affiliate of Independent Assemblies of God in good standing since 1974. Praise God. Well, we have a great subject, as I said, so open your Bibles, open your minds, and, and open your hearts uh, to the Word of God today. We're going to be talking about keys to understanding God's ways. Keys to Understanding God's Ways. And the first thing I want to say about that is this, uh, that uh, the first and great fundamental key in understanding God's ways is to recognize that His ways are not our ways. You know, one of the, one of the scriptures that constantly challenges me is to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Commit thy way unto him, trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. Well, uh, I have a problem many times, because uh, I don't fully appreciate and understand his ways. I'm beginning to get it. I'm beginning to see more and more and more as I live for him, and I go through life trusting him. But I'm beginning to understand that I don't need to understand in order to keep my trust in in him his ways my friend are simply not your ways they're not my ways but they are his 
perfect, eternal purpose of good for you and me in everything. Praise God. So I want to talk about these keys today. Number one, uh, the first key to understanding God's ways is to recognize that His ways are not our ways. Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This Hebrew word, derek, derek, ways, translated ways, means his manner or his habit. Or another way of putting it would be, in forensic terms today, his MO, his method of operation. And this is something we need to get today. Psalm 103 verse 7 said, He made known His ways to Moses, His acts unto the children of Israel. Literally, those acts means His wonders. They saw the Red Sea part. They ate the manna. Uh, They saw God move in supernatural ways to bring them out of Egypt and to get them into Canaan. They knew His wonders. But Moses knew His ways. And that's what we want to understand here today. He began to understand God's ways when he understood a second principle, that God uses the improbable to accomplish the impossible. I want to say that again. God uses the improbable to accomplish the impossible. I want to say it a third time today. God uses the improbable to accomplish the impossible. (laughs) What weapon does God provide Samson with to fight 1,000 enemy soldiers? A jawbone of a donkey. Improbable? Oh, yeah. Man's weapon of choice? Absolutely not. God's provision to accomplish His purpose? Absolutely. You see, His ways are not our ways in a particular sense that I want to zero in on today. God uses the improbable to accomplish the impossible. What did Jesus say to get money to pay the temple tax? He said, catch a fish, look in his mouth, you will find a gold coin. Improbable? Oh, yeah. Advice given by most financial counselors? Absolutely not. God's answer to their dilemma? Absolutely. What was God's battle plan for Jehoshaphat? When Israel was outnumbered by an allied army set for their destruction, he said, send the singers out, sing the songs of Zion, particularly sing the praises of God. Let them sing, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And let them sing it over and over. And while they were singing, a spirit of confusion was sent into that army, and they saw every man uh, beside them as their enemy. And they fought each other while God's singers praised him. (laughs) Amen. Improbable? Oh, yeah. Plan most frequently used by generals to overcome enemies? Oh, no. God's plan of battle for that day and that people and that circumstance? Absolutely. God uses the improbable to accomplish the impossible. What was God's plan to take the fortified city of Jericho? 
<laughs> with impenetrable walls. He said, march around it with the Ark of the Covenant going before you once a day until the last day. And then mark around it, walk, walk around it seven times. And then shout at the top of your lungs. <laughs> Amen. Improbable? Oh, yeah. Used by any other invading army to bring down strongholds? Oh, no. God's plan to give Israel the promised land? Absolutely. What did God's prophet tell the Assyrian captain with leprosy to do? He said, go dip in Jordan seven times. Improbable? Oh, yeah. Medically proven and frequently used therapy to cure diseases? Absolutely not. God's plan to bring healing, cleansing within and without? Absolutely. Praise God. I tell you, it just goes on and on. I'm just citing a few things here today. What does Christ tell a blind man to do to be healed? He, he takes spit on his fingers and he mixes it with mud on the ground and he puts it in his eyes and he rubs it in his eyes and he tells him to go and wash it out in, the, in a particular pool, the pool of Siloam. Improbable? Oh, man. <laughs> tell me about it. Prescribed by most medical uh, optometrists and, and ophthalmologists and specialists for blindness. Oh, no. God's plan for restoring this man's sight in that particular circumstance, that particular man, on that particular day, absolutely. And what does Jesus do to feed the multitudes? There's a little boy's lunch offered. He blesses it, breaks it, and passes it around. Improbable that a poor boy's lunch... A few sardines and a little piece of bread could, something the size of sardines at least, would feed a multitude. Oh, yeah. The method used by the world hunger organizations to end starvation. Oh, no. God's plan to meet the need on that occasion. Absolutely. You see, this, this is so important to get why there's repetitiously repeating of the way God operates, the way God works, God's MO. He uses the improbable to accomplish the impossible. And the reason I believe that our faith breaks down on so many levels is because we don't get that fundamental truth about God's method of operation. If we can't understand it, if we can't, if we can't assimilate it in our minds, we have a real problem trusting in the Lord with our whole heart without leaning to our understanding. Friends, when the brook dries up, who does Jesus send Elijah to be fed? Or who does God send Jehovah send Elijah to be fed in famine? A widow woman with a son and enough meal left for one cake or one portion. Improbable? Oh, yes. Person most sought after to supply needs of such a magnitude? Oh, no. God's plan of sustenance for all three of them. In the time of that famine, absolutely. You see, when we look to God for a need to be met, we must be prepared for the answer to be improbable. Not necessarily to be logical or reasonable. We must realize that God does not follow nor is bound by physical laws that govern the world as we know it. And here's that scripture that is such a challenge and yet so essential to our faith. Proverbs 3 and verse 5. Trust 
in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not. That's the hard part. Harder than trusting God is not leaning to our understanding because the moment we do, we begin to undermine that pure, childlike faith and trust in God. You know, I'm thinking of the little boy's lunch that he offered. Not one adult with so little to offer would dare to even think of offering it to Christ to feed a multitude with. <laughs> and yet this this little boy, uh, without leaning to his understanding, just trusted that if I give this to Jesus, he can do something with it. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know how, but I know him enough that he can do something with this if I just give it to him in simple, childlike faith. Hallelujah. Jesus accepted it, and he took it, and he blessed it, and he fed a multitude with it. Friend of mine, Christ attends a wedding. They ran out of beverages. What does he do? He says, bring me water. It was so improbable and so uh, seemingly uh, 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 beyond the scope of what, it, what good is this going to do? So they asked the question to his mother. What does he want with water? Mary, in her wisdom and her faith, says, whatever he says, do it. <laughs> whatever he says, do it. Do it. Do it. You see, faith is acting on God's word, no matter how improbable or impossible it may seem. So many times we lean on our understanding when we should be leaning on God and His Word. We look to our own resources when we should be looking to God. And we then, in fact, limit God. And many times we question God and we lose our faith in Him. At the tomb of Lazarus, after he's been dead for, for three days, what does Christ say? He says, roll the stone away. What was the initial response? By now, he stinketh. And Jesus urged them to act on his word in spite of the seemingly foolishness of the request. He said, did not I say unto you? That if you would roll the stone away, this is something you can do. This was in the scope and the realm of what you can do. You can act on my word. You can't do the impossible, but you can act on my word so that I can do the impossible. You can express your faith by simple childlike trust and simple childlike obedience. Praise God. You do the human thing. I'll do the God thing. You do that that you can do in the natural. I and only I can do the supernatural. Praise God. God chooses to wait until Sarah, who is barren, is 90 years old and Abraham is 100 years old. And then he says, I'm going to give you that promised child. How did Abraham and Sarah come to trust without leaning on their own understanding? This is such a vitally important truth for us to get in our hearts and in our lives today. 
we are we are so highly educated today. We we have more intellectuals. We have more uh, more teachers and professors today. Uh, but it seems that we are missing this childlike faith. This lack of being able to accept God's word at face value, to stand upon His word, to stand upon His promises. I love that great old hymn of the faith, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God. No matter how improbable or seemingly impossible it would be for him to keep that promise. I want to tell you something about God. The Bible said that he watches over his word to perform it. Hallelujah. Amen. It is us who are challenged to believe Him. God is not, God is not stretched to, to keep any promise to us. For the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. Hallelujah. Amen. For nothing is impossible with God, the Scriptures declare. And the Bible said that nothing is impossible to Him that believeth. And I believe trying to figure everything out, trying to assimilate it all mentally, trying to to get some kind of, of get our mind around it, is what causes our faith to shake and falter in so many occasions. Let's look at Abraham, who is a hundred years old when he's given the promise of children. Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before whom he believed even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth the things not as though they were. Our friend, we're getting another glimpse of his ways right now. One of the things that God does, God who is so, so uh, absolutely unhindered by the seemingly impossible, that this is a God who can raise the dead and did, in fact, on many occasions raise the dead. A God that even death uh, cannot hinder from keeping a promise. Hallelujah. He quickeneth the dead, and here's what he does. The moment he wills it, he declares it in his word, and he declares it to those that he has purposed uh, to work for or through. He calls the things not as though they were. We don't call anything uh, like that. We don't speak in those terms. But this is God's method of operation. When he wills it, he words it. Hallelujah. He declares it in his word. And even though it hasn't come to pass, rest assured, he watches over his word to perform it. Praise God. So he calls the things not as though they were. Who against hope, verse 18, Abraham, knowing this about God and his ways, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. God had given him that promise. And being a hundred years old wasn't going to stop God from keeping the promise if Abraham believed what God had said and didn't just believe that the circumstances made it Impossible. See, it was humanly impossible. Human hope had come to an end because now he was a hundred. But against hope, 
He believed in hope <laughs> that he might become what God had promised to make him. Hallelujah, the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Once God spoke it, as far as he was concerned, amen, it was already accomplished in the mind, will, and eternal purpose of God. Hallelujah. God was going to bring it to pass because he knew Abraham inside and out. And he knew Abraham would not let, uh, not let the circumstances keep him from believing God. Oh, he wavered along the way. Of course he did. He tried to bring it to pass himself with human understanding and ended up with Ishmael. Amen. And and we're still having problems to this day because of that that decision that he made. He wavered like anyone else, but he came back to a solid faith in what God had promised. Verse 19 says, in being not weak in faith, listen carefully, he considered, see this is leaning not to his understanding, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Where did this strong faith come from? Because he didn't consider. See, he didn't consider the fact that it was humanly impossible and that God would use the improbable, a hundred-year-old man and a ninety-year-old woman, that he would wait until then to keep the promise unto them. Verse 21, in being fully persuaded that what he promised he was able to perform. Glory be to God. Boy, that's how we should approach the promises of God. This word able here, we're going to see it again in Sarah's life. It literally means able and faithful. It's not just talking about the power of God to keep a promise, but the very person of God who made the promise. God is faithful. To perform what he has promised. He has all power in heaven and earth. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's look at how Sarah received the strength and the faith to conceive at 90 years of age and not stagger at God's promise. Even though initially she did. But ultimately she came back to that trust. She had to not lean to her understanding, but to look to the one who made the promise. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11 and verse 11. It said, through faith also, Sarah herself, Sarah herself, received strength to conceive seed and be delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. This was a double miracle because Sarah, her whole life, was barren. As a young woman, Sarah was not able to have children. Her womb was not fertile. There was something wrong in her womb. She was a barren woman her whole life. And now at 90, she's told that she's going to have a child. <laughs> 
Now she's past the age of childbearing anyway. And now God says, I'm going to keep my promise. Improbable? (laughs) Absolutely. Does God use the improbable to achieve the impossible all the time? It's his method of operation. That's why it's so vital that we allow that when we pray and we're in a circumstance and we don't know how in the world, literally, God would be able to do this. It's so improbable and seemingly impossible. But if we find a promise in the Word of God, there is a person who backs up that promise, who stands behind it. Hallelujah. Who is able and faithful. Hallelujah. He keeps His covenant of love, His promise to a thousand generations since God uses the improbable to accomplish the impossible our faith is to hinge upon God's word alone knowing that God's word rests upon God's faithfulness and God chooses the improbable to demonstrate that he alone is the mighty God of glory who has all power in heaven and earth He uses and moves through the unlikely and unusual so there can be no doubt it is God and it is God alone that is doing the work. Hallelujah. Sometimes he waits and waits and waits. Remember this, dear friend. God's delay is not necessarily his denial. We need to stand firm in in our faith in His person first, so that we can stand firm upon His promise, standing on the promises, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God. In order for you or me to stand upon the promises of God, we have got to recognize and put our trust in Him, and try our best not to figure it out in our mind, to try to assimilate it in in terms of something we can grasp, we can understand. His ways are not our ways. Hallelujah! His thoughts are not our thoughts. They're as high above us as the heavens are above the earth. But praise God as we read the Scripture we begin to understand those ways. <laughs> we, understand that we understand that God raises the dead. There's nothing He can't do. Nothing is impossible with God. Not even the finality and certainty of death. It's still subject to Him. And He calls the things not as though they were. Because once He makes the promise, He stands behind His Word. Heaven and earth will pass away, the Scriptures teach us. But the Word of God will abide forever. And I believe in this this day when man has become more intellectually uh, 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 intellectually astute than he's ever been, more biblically knowledgeable than we've ever had, more more theologically trained teachers and preachers than we've ever had. I believe we need to find our way back to the childlike faith that offers Jesus in faith. A little poor boy's lunch to feed a multitude. 
And Jesus just grabs it out of his hand. (laughs) He blesses it and he breaks it. And he feeds the multitude. And when they are all filled, and listen, I've been in church for years. I know how church people can eat when we all get together. Hallelujah, bring covered dishes. Amen. They took up 12 bushel of fragments. I want you to know my God is El Shaddai, not El Chipo. Praise God. He doesn't do anything in some small, barely get-by way. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we think and all that we ask according to the power that worketh within us. The Holy Spirit and our faith combined together releases God to keep every promise so that they might become yea and amen to them that believe. And today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want you to know God has promised to save you. If you will come to Him in simple faith and confess your sins, He's promised to forgive your sins, to seal you for heaven with the Holy Spirit. Come to Christ right now just as you are and let him do the work that only he can do within you and today if you're a Christian and you're struggling to believe the promises of God and to see him glorified by keeping those promises in your life ah today trust in the Lord with all of your heart lean not to your understanding and God will do wonderful things and his name will be glorified well we love you would you come back next week and let's talk about Jesus